And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast here during free agent tampering window all good to do it week we have not quite yet reached the official start of free agency in the new league year but uh, you wouldn't know that from looking at the transaction charts or the reported transactions over the last couple of days we have seen plenty of signings and that came after all the trades we had uh, earlier this month and back in february so we have plenty to talk about on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And just one note of programming, we'll be coming at you again on Thursday with a second episode for Free Agent Week. I am Michael Beller. I am joined, of course, by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. You guys, what have you have you been doing any tampering these last couple of days? With uh, you know, Not with free agents or anything, but just tampering in general. Have you been celebrating the NFL tampering period in the right way? Celebrating? I've been working the period. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> I've been uh, tampering with my March Madness bracket. That's what I've been doing. So uh, it's a good week in sports, man. I'm loving it. March Madness and, and NFL free agency. There's, uh, you know, after a little lull, there is no mm-hmm. shortage of things to talk about this week. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm totally with you, Funston. And baseball right around the corner. Love this time of year. Um, this this part always makes me think of uh, one of my favorite episodes of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry asks Cheryl if she knows anything about tampering. Uh, when they're they're trying to like give someone Benadryl and a brownie, and he says, "Don't you know anything about tampering?" Telling her how she has to put the Benadryl in the mix, or else it won't work. And that's what that's what I think of with it, right? Like Bill Belichick's talking to someone who wanted to you know wait and to to sign both of these tight ends, and Bill says, "Don't you know anything about tampering? We can do it right now. We can go out there and be active and sign Janu Smith." And Hunter Henry. We don't have to wait. We can just get that done. We can bring both of these tight ends into our team after bringing Cam Newton back. Let's start right there, guys, because yeah, I think a lot of us were obviously these were the two biggest tight ends on the free agent market. Uh, we wanted to see uh, Johnny Smith, especially, freed up somewhere. Hunter Henry, I think, from a fantasy perspective, we would have been happy to see him get tagged and go back to LA or just land somewhere new. But now these two guys are on the same team and. I think I'm left sitting here thinking that instead of having two new tight end ones or one new tight end one and one guy who has a chance to get back into the tight end one class that he fell out of last year, that we have zero tight end ones. Is that how you're looking at this, Jake? (laughs) Yeah, I actually thought about Brandon through this whole process because this is his boy. Well, one of them. (laughs) And I was celebrating along with him with Jonathan Smith first signed, and that was the first big deal announced for the Patriots. And then Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and then Hunter Henry to top everything off this morning, which just ruined the entire thing for everybody mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, everybody could go and see the entire breakdown on the site, which, by the way, if they're listening free, Mike, a dollar to sign up for a month is back. So for That's there, right. There, there you, you go. Get in on this now. Man of the company. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I broke it down. And, I, you know, initially the excitement for John and Smith was that I mentioned Cam Newton did target 
Greg Olson 118 times per season from 2012 to 2016 on average. They put 118 targets. So that was the excitement is that even with Cam Newton, Jonathan Smith, you know, tight end one, top 10 tight end, potentially could push top five if he gets that kind of workload. But now you bring in Hunter Henry and it's just a cluster. Even if Julian Edelman is done, which that's still up in the air, but even if he is, you have Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne at wide receiver. So even if you trade away Nikhil Harry, you still have options there. But the biggest problem is Hunter Henry and Janu. And one of the things I broke down in there is that Hunter Henry is the better blocker than Janu. Janu has a higher yards per route run, but he ran fewer routes with the Titans than Hunter Henry ran with the Chargers. So you put all that together, and what do you really get? You get a cluster. You get... I'm not going to go the Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez route like everybody keeps going because they're not Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. A little different. Cam, Cam Newton's not Tom Brady. But what I'll compare it to is something that we can say where Tom Brady is now. It's O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait before Gronk got there. It's that O.J. Howard's a great blocker, could do more, but he blocks too much. Hunter Henry. Cameron Brait. Jano Smith, fewer opportunities, more with his opportunities. So at the end of the day, I think you said it best. They might both finish as fringe tight end ones with very similar numbers, but I want nothing to do with them because you're not going to be able to predict which week who it's going to be. I'd rather take Irv Smith than both mm-hmm. of them at this point. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick was sitting around and he put it in Bruce Springsteen's glory days. And you look back at 2011 and Gronkowski, 17 touchdowns and 1,300 yards. And Aaron Hernandez, 79 catches, 900 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, And maybe that, you know, maybe they're going to try to go with some, you know, some glorified elements of the of the 12 personnel. You're right, though. The ceiling for all those guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hunter Henry's no no prime Rob Gronkowski, and I don't think John is a, a prime Aaron Hernandez. And clearly, and out of his prime, Cam Newton is not even close to you know what Tom Brady was back then. But uh, I do think that they are going to probably make that you know the focus of their offense. It's just not going to be as good offense as it was back then. Yeah, it's. Uh, I got a feeling we're going to be talking about these two guys as like. Well, you can stream Hunter Henry this week. You can see if that works no. out. You can stream Janu and see if uh, maybe he uh, he catches a <laughs> touchdown on his three targets that he's going to get in this game against the Dolphins, right? I mean, no. it just feels like that's what these guys are destined for. Maybe if there's a winner here, it's Cam Newton, right? Like, do we feel better about Cam Newton with both of these guys? I mean, obviously we feel better about him than, you know, before when there was no one there. But, like, is there reason to believe that 2021 can be a better year for 20, than 2020? for Cam Newton based on these acquisitions? If that was... I, I like it. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. I was just going to say, I, I like it. I mean, it's definitely more in his wheelhouse, those short intermediate uh-huh. inter, intermediate passes, where once it gets 15 yards, you start to see gravity pulling Cam Newton's ball to the earth. <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely playing to that. Um, so it's good for Cam Newton from a passing aspect that he's actually going to actually put some appreciable passing numbers on the board, not play 15 games and have eight touchdown passes and, you know, average 177 passing yards. He should be higher. And if he can continue to run, puts him in a little bit more of the QB2 mix than he was last year. But, yeah, um, other than that, I mean, it's just it's just a low-cap ceiling in general still for this Patriots offense. Yeah, I think it's a limited ceiling. I don't know. It's super low cap. I think when we're talking about them is this is where the truth of the cliche of one ball to go around actually matters in this situation Mm but uh, when when cam newton first got brought back uh, i I broke this down and i said that look let's take away his rookie season where he threw for four thousand yards let's take away his mvp season 
and let's take away the insane rushing numbers from last year. Let's take about the three large outliers and let's take the mm-hmm. six, six quote unquote worst seasons of Cam Newton. Averages out the 3,400 yards, 21 touchdowns, 578 rushing yards, and six rushing touchdowns. That would have put him as QB 12 and QB 14 in fantasy points per game. I think that 3,420 plus touchdowns is reasonable because I do believe Cam. We've talked about this on the show. I brought it up not to name drop, but Brian McFadden, when I had him on the podcast, kept talking about how name to, drop. Yeah, he kept saying how Antonio Brown signing the day that he signed, he wasn't going to show up until December and was liking it to the fact that it took Gronkowski half the season to get going. Mm-hmm. And the rookies took all that time to get going that missed time. And Cam Newton mentioned it. He said, I got COVID. I'm learning a new playbook that tons of new schemes, tons of new plays, and the missed time really killed him. Now, again, I'm not saying he's going to throw for MVP season. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. I'm not going to throw for 30 touchdowns. But you tell me 3,420 touchdowns? Extremely reasonable. But all that being said, 3,420 touchdowns for Aguilar, Bourne, possibly Edelman, Hunter Henry, John and Smith. Uh-huh. There, we could be in another season where nobody tops 800 yards and nobody tops five, six, seven touchdowns. You know, I, I like this uh, like uh, Olympic figure skating judge approach to Cam Newton that you've taken here with taking out <laughs> all take the, out the highs and, and lows. Just, yeah, take out the highs, <laughs> take out the lows, look at the meat in the middle. And, uh, you know, I, I think it works and it makes a lot of sense. And we could be looking at another year like that. I mean, Gotta take out the I Russian mean, judge. Was, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Take that out. Take out the Auburn judge. And then, you know, you're, you're feeling pretty good. You're feeling pretty good about Cam. And uh, we know, I mean, last year he did still give you all those rushing numbers. And, I mean, you know, last year he had the, what, the 12 touchdowns on the ground? Yeah. Can easily bring will, that back to six. I will still be say this real quick. Him. Like, the best fantasy seasons for Cam Newton have been all the seasons where he was going, like, the last round. If you think about it, think back to it. Like, every well, single – when Cam Newton's drafted high, he stinks. When he's drafted <laughs> at the end of the draft, he's great. So that's how you know. If you can draft him in the 12th round or later, he's going to bounce back this year. <laughs> Done. Yeah, there we go. Sim- simple path to figuring out where Cam Newton is going to be in the uh, in the 2021 season. How about Jameis Winston? Where's he going to be, guys? Back in New Orleans, we know that. Taysom Hill and his, like, $1 billion contract also in New Orleans. You know, I, I actually – I sort of forgot until this morning um, uh, about this whole – that we're going to have this whole summer with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston just because, you know, I've, I'm, I've got baseball on the brain and I'm doing a college basketball show for the tournament. So I was already thinking about that. And then when I was starting to think about this show and thinking about Jameis, it's like, you know, we're going to have this whole summer with, like, who's starting and is there going to be, like, two quarterbacks? Are there going to be packages for Ta- Jameis and packages for Taysom? It's just – it's going to be crazy. But, I mean, Jake, let's start with you here. you got to be pretty excited about a world for Jameis in which he is the starter for the Saints. I think so, and I think he's going to get every chance to have the job. Now, even if he outright wins it, I mean, he is, quote-unquote, 100% the starter. Taysom Hill's still going to get on the field. So you have to remember Mm -hmm. that. That's going to be part of the concern. Uh, So let's say Winston gets the job, and it is his job, outside of potentially a quarterback by committee, but it's not really a committee. It's a timeshare (laughs) because it's two, as Scott Engel always said. You need three for a committee. Uh, But, you know, you look at Winston – and this is another one. I threw out numbers. You know, the Saints had 522 pass attempts last year. That's a stark <laughs> decrease from Jameis Winston throwing for 626 attempts two years ago. Let's meet in the middle and go a little bit higher. Say Jameis Winston, 570, 575. Seems like a reasonable number. Seems with how he's aggressive, especially downfield. We can get excited about Michael Thomas, but not just Michael Thomas. We can get excited about whoever the number two is, whether that's Draquan Smith or somebody else. And then we can also get excited potentially as whoever the third wide receiver or Adam Trotman, if it's the tight end, whoever the third receiving weapon is, 
Mm-hmm. You can get excited about him to agree, too. So I think we could have Michael Thomas back pushing for the number two with Tyreek Hill. I think whoever the number two wide receiver is is going to be in that wide receiver three conversation. And then we potentially have a third. The downtick is with, obviously, Alvin Kamara, because whether it was mm-hmm. Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, it was going to be a downtick without Drew Brees. And if you want to compare Drew Brees to Jameis Winston, which I did in the article— uh, Drew Brees was second only behind Alex Smith the past two years for checking down to running backs at 28.5%. Jameis Winston, 189 Now, you can counter-argue and say, well, Jameis wasn't throwing to Alvin Kamara and all these sorts of things, but all it really does, I'm not downgrading Kamara a lot, but I think if we said Drew Brees surprise us, comes back for 2021, we would say Kamara's probably number two, only behind Christian McCaffrey. I think this ch- takes him off that number one tier of Cook, Barkley and, Kamer- and Christian McCaffrey and puts them in that next group, that second tier. So it's not a big drop, but I just think it takes them out of that discussion for the elite top three running backs. Yeah, I think there is something to the argument that he wasn't thrown to Kamara. I'm sure there's going to be somewhat of a mandate to throw to Kamara out of the backfield, you know, for Jameis. I, I, I won't I won't be rostering a Saints quarterback because <laughs> um Look, at Taysom Hill, he was competent. I, I, he was better as mm-hmm. a passer than I expected he'd be in his four games getting that opportunity. If Jameis goes Jameis, and we don't know where – we haven't seen Jameis in a year, and maybe he learned some right. things from Drew Brees, and maybe Sean Payton can be the quarterback whisperer to him. But when he just goes completely off the rails, there's just no way Sean Payton's not going to just use – you know use Taysom Hill liberally and they're going to do it anyways. And with no Drew Brees, mm-hmm. he's going to have more, uh, you know, more of a, of a reason to go ahead and say, you know what, these sub packages with Taysom Hill, I'm just going to get a little bit more wild with these, you know, and we're going to just going to be completely unpredictable. And, and so I expect there to be a lot of in concert between the two of these guys, regardless of who's the de facto one, a, you know, versus one B. How much can you really do that? I, I It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. But you can't run a football team where one guy's getting like 60% of the quarterback snaps and one guy's getting 40. You just can't – I mean, could you? Could Sean Payton do that? Why can't right. you? I mean, don't, don't, wouldn't you put it past Sean Payton to be the guy to say, yeah, why not? I, I'll we've already do had it, this you know? attempted before. We've already had Spurrier <laughs> try this in the NFL. It's not going to work in the NFL. It just – it won't. Now, again <laughs> – Taysom Hill, 10%, keep using him at tight end, line up a few times at quarterback, mm-hmm. take some sweeps, you know, uh, some RPO. That that Taysom Hill that we just saw last year, sure. And if Jameis Winston completely goes sideways and hasn't improved on his interception and poor decision making, then sure, Taysom Hill just takes over. But to go out there every single week in a 60-40 basically timeshare quarterback, like a timeshare running back situation, I would bet money against that happening. Are the Saints still going to be good? Yes. But, and how much, that, how much of that? How much does there's is that going to factor into how this breaks down? All right, I mean that's I, that's what I think too. But I, I think like maybe like pushing for a wild card good. I don't think they're going to be the. I don't think they're coming out of the South next year. No, I mean, but they, they could still like you said wild card good. I, again, we're talking about 522 pass attempts without Michael Thomas for a good most of the year. Uh, you know, again, yeah. trying to figure out, guess really who is going to be the wide receiver two all year. Emmanuel Sanders, when he was out there, wasn't even Emmanuel Sanders as we used to know. And then it was Traquan and then it was Callaway. And that, you know, because Traquan missed time. And it's just, there wasn't mm-hmm. consistency to this offense, including Drew Brees. There just wasn't. So, you know, again, even Winston on a set, like even this, let's just say Winston loses the battle before the season even opens. If it's Taysom Hill all year long, I still think this is going to be a good team. 
a new look, certainly, without Drew Brees, and it'll be fun to uh, think about all summer long. Uh, another fun one that we've got here on tap, Ryan Fitzpatrick to Washington, joining up with the football team this season, the defending NFC East champions. Uh, I got to be honest, guys, you know, uh, <laughs> as much as I like to needle you, Brandon, about uh, Russell Wilson being in a Bears uniform, I don't actually believe that it's happening. I never really believed it was happening. Didn't think the Bears have the juice to pull that off. They certainly don't have the juice to pull off Deshaun Watson. So sitting here as a Bears fan, I was thinking, you know, this defense, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Allen Robinson, they've won eight games the last two years with terrible quarterback play. Maybe they could slap together a nine and seven or 10 and six season and make a little noise as a wild card. Now that's off the table, but very excited, you guys. Uh, For a mere one year, one year and ten million, and the Bears couldn't make I know, that happen. I know, I'm Come very on, surprised. Now sitting here thinking about like Andy Dalton or whatever, but I mean that's going to be fun. I think in Washington, and you know Fitz is Fitz, and I, you know he, he's going to do what he does pretty much regardless of whatever jersey he's wearing and what's around him. Big winner, maybe one of the biggest winners of uh, free agency has got to be Terry McLaurin, right? I mean, with getting a competent quarterback like that, uh, Jake, I think it was your column I was re- I read uh, about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and peppering his number one receiver with targets. I mean, Terry McLaurin is just going to uh, take off in a way that he was already doing, and now we just have no reason to doubt it going into 2021, right? No, not at all. And Ian Hartzitz was the one that I uh, referenced in there because I was about to do the research and he saved me because I saw his tweet <laughs> and he was referencing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, just 10 plus starts. So these aren't even all full seasons of quarterback for him, uh, including because the Devontae Parker. But Devontae Parker is the lowest at 128 targets. You have 137 to Hushmanzada. You have 148, 141, 134 for Stevie Johnson, 146 for Andre Johnson, 128 low for Brandon Marshall, and 173 for Brandon Marshall. You, you kind of average all those out. Again, 10 for some of those seasons. And you were going to see Terry McLaurin walk right back into 130, 140-plus targets this year as the number one. I still think the Washington team wants to address the number two situation. You know this. I said that Corey Davis would be a great fit. Marvin Jones is still mm-hmm. sitting out there. But even if they go as high as somebody like Marvin Jones, I don't think that's going to hurt Terry McLaurin because Fitzpatrick is going to throw the ball. But McLaurin's now pushing wide receiver one status in fantasy, uh, especially if he plays 16 games and Fitzpatrick plays 16 games. Those have to go hand in hand, obviously. But Logan Thomas, top 10 tight end. And then whoever the number two is, assuming they bring somebody in, has potential wide receiver three, four value. If it's Kelvin Harmon or Antonio Gandy-Golden, probably more four and you hope one of them breaks forward and you know breaks out this year but Mm -hmm. as it stands the real winner here is McLaurin and Logan Thomas being able to repeat and then the backfield is going to be the backfield this offense with Fitzpatrick all of a sudden just got really interesting yeah it's kind of fun yeah yeah McLaurin top 20 basically receiver I mean basically a strong wide receiver to the last two years with Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, um, oh, Kyle Allen. Like it's <laughs> it's horrible, you know. This it's it's weird to say, but Ryan Fitzpatrick hey, Heineke is played such well. a huge. He did, but he only played one game <laughs> in that in that run. Well, to you your know, point, so Fitzpatrick it, over three yards air attempt better than anybody. The the average for the Washington quarterbacks yet last year. Yeah, and it's just crazy. But there's just been no continuity as well. Right. I mean, it, it speaks to there's been like what six, seven quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the last two, two years, years, and and no one really gets a long run before they make a change. And yet Terry McLaurin, you can just count on him for six, seven catches and seventy five yards practically every week. He's like Allen Robinson. 
right? He's, uh, he's yeah. putting together his best Allen Robinson impression with making it work regardless of who his quarterback is and uh, now gets a big shot in the arm with Fitz getting over there to D.C. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, you mentioned Corey Davis, who yes. uh, has himself a new team. Like we said, uh, would have been a good fit, perhaps in Washington. <laughs> Not the case, and I guess you can take it from there. That's uh, you're, you're feeling like fart noise about him in, in New York. <laughs> Pretty much. Can you can you edit that in a fart noise? Actually, <laughs> my very first part was my immediate reaction is bleh. I like really. I I would have rather Washington. I would rather a lot of teams because I, I said this to Pat Mayo earlier today. Even if I wanted to take a victory lap on Corey Davis being this year's or last year's now Devontae Parker, I didn't expect it to be that good. But I think what Mm -hmm. we saw and part of the reason it was so good is because whatever you thought about Corey Davis coming out of college, and I was extremely high on him as well, is I think we now know he's a really great 1B. Like he's not the alpha, alpha, give me all the defensive attention, be able to win everything. He's better than a 2 but he's kind of that in-between wide receiver. So now you put him as the number one on the Jets. The number one on the Jets with, as of today, Sam Darnold. If not Sam Darnold, potentially Fields or Wilson, unless they shock us with the Deshaun Watson trade. And then I'll feel a little bit better about it, but still a little tentative too because you get rid of Rashard Perriman. Okay, that's 60 targets. Even if you say Braxton Berrios never steps back on the field because we don't want him to step on the field last year, that's 55 targets. That's 115 when you still have Denzel Mims going to year two. You have Jamison Crowder played 12 games last year, and maybe he only plays 12 again because he can't stay healthy. But Jamison Crowder is the number one target hog, always going to be when he's healthy, whoever the quarterback is, unless just the new quarterback doesn't have a rapport with him. It's just not a great situation for fantasy purposes. I understand why the Jets did it. I understand why Corey Davis did it for the money. But for fantasy purposes, I would be shocked if he – outright surpasses last year's numbers by more than 10%. And I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even match last year's numbers. I don't have a whole lot to say about that. No one in fantasy wants a player to sign with the Jets and, and, and feel good about it. I mean, <laughs> unless they do something at court, it gets markedly better. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a rough situation. So uh, and if you're just a, you know, as, as Jake said, you're not a true number one. Then you're just going in there and you're just going to get washed mm-hmm. away in the sea of Jameson Crowder and Denzel Mims, who I think could ultimately eventually be the number one there. I, I like Denzel Mims a lot, but it's not going to happen probably next year and probably not with Sam Darnold. It doesn't. I mean, with Sam Darnold, I don't know that it matters unless they get a lot of protection. And Sam Darnold suddenly just yeah. gets a whole heap of confidence and, and changes who he is. 
Look, I think you guys nailed this. So can we actually uh, take a, a little break here and just have a discussion about the fantasy sports lexicon for a second? Uh, and Jake, I'm not picking on you because uh, everyone does. I mean, I've done this myself, right? But shouldn't it be one and one A? Like it, one B is not a thing. Shouldn't it, shouldn't we be calling like a, a no? It's, it's a, one A like, and one B. No, no, no. Like last year, Corey, uh, uh, AJ Brown was the one, and Corey Davis was a one A. Right? Isn't that? I mean, that's, in horse I don't know. racing, if you, in if horse you, racing, if it's a one and, both. and one A is the alternate. You know, it's not like there's a one B. I no, feel like that's open for interpretation. <laughs> I think if you want to say that they're both one, but who's the higher one of the yeah. two? Then you'd say, well, this then guy's the one A, and this right. guy's the one B. Just needs to be the one. No, no, no. Because then, <laughs> if you're going into writing and like that lexicon to say it's actually it's one A, one B, one C, depending on if you're going down that road. So it's like one. And then A, B, C. And then if you get down to going that far into it, it is 1A, 1B, 1C. But you don't leave one without the A. So you start with the A. No, yeah. If you're doing if you're doing it like if you're in Word and you're going one and you want A, B, and C, one is like wide receivers. And no, then no, no. A but I'm saying once you combine James them, well, that's, a, that's a formatting thing. Right. That's not yeah, like a... exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So is Braxton Berrios the 1D in New York? No, <laughs> he's like the 4X. <laughs> oh man what else what else do we got here I, I want some more to I, you know we had so much fun like the the franchise tag took Allen robinson off the table and chris godwin and aaron jones decided to stay in green bay and dak obviously was going back so it's been fun i, I want there to be a little bit more I, I i guess we could talk about tyrell williams going to detroit if only because galladay's gone wish he would have signed before this show but hopefully we can talk about that on thursday marvin williams is gone I mean, Tyrell Williams is going to get a lot of work, right? And it's Jared Goff, and we don't know exactly what to expect from this offense. But, I mean, on volume and volume alone, uh, where are you thinking about Tyrell Williams right now, Jake? Well, I receiver three. 110 targets, Marvin Jones level. I think he's just – I just copy-paste Marvin Jones if he stays healthy. I, obviously, <laughs> he could go higher. But if you go back to 2016, his best season, amazing season, 119 targets, 69 mm-hmm. receptions, 1,059 yards, and seven touchdowns. So he pushes wide receiver too. But I think at this point of his career and with Jared Goff, we know he struggled with the deep ball. I think more of a wide receiver three is the expectation. Obviously, I think the Lions are going to bring somebody in, whether it's via the draft or well, something. They have to. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you dra- I wouldn't be if and if they go first round wide receiver, it's going to be the better option than Tyrell Williams. So that's why I'm kind of putting him in as wide receiver three, expecting him not to be walking into 140 targets. Because if he's 140 targets, well, then you would have to say he's a wide receiver two. I don't think he's – I think he's just too limited as a receiver to be a 140-target guy. Right. And I think, you know, yeah, he's just going – you know, it's just not a good situation. He's not a, a full route tree kind of guy. You're going you're gonna to run deep balls. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think the, what you said about the 69-catch season and 1,000 yards was the best of the best in his prime. We haven't seen him in a while. Um, struggles with injuries, was out. And now you return to what could be the worst team in the NFL next year. Yeah, but I think <laughs> the overlooked part here is the fact that – TJ Hawkinson could be pushing that George Kittle level next year because No, I agree. It, I absolutely If you're talking agree. Tyrell Williams, rookie, Quintez Cephas, like Jared Goff, you know I, I dislike Jared Goff as much as the next guy when it comes to like ability and fantasy and all that type of stuff. But Hawkinson, for all intents and purposes, rookie Williams Cephas is going to be the number yep. one, similar to Kittle with the 49ers. Yeah. And even even if it's not a rookie, if they whatever veteran they would sign is not someone who's going to push Hawkinson off of being the pass catcher one. Right. 
or if they go right. out and get a Debo or the Brandon Ayuk, it's still going to be Kittle being the number one. You know, as, right, right. As, yeah. as those young guys work their way into their prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got to feel that's that's a that's going to be like you said, maybe the worst team in football and a weird team, I think, from a fantasy perspective. And I think you know when I think about the Detroit Lions twenty twenty one as a fantasy player, I just think just. Just don't screw up DeAndre Swift and don't screw up Hawkinson. I think right? Swift is just let them be, be what we want them to be, <laughs> and just whatever else happens, we'll let the chips fall where they may. It's the, but just I'm please with you don't on that. screw. It's, it's, yeah, I, I'm with you too, <laughs> with and you, you know I love Swift, but I think it's the losing team situation and passing. Yeah. And just, I, I just think Swift's in a terrible spot next year. I have a feeling, as much as I love him, he's not going to be on any of my teams because I'm not going to draft him as a fringe yeah. RB one. Yeah. yeah, and oddly, part of a big part of his value was his ability to score touchdowns last year, and you know that that could be a lower ceiling by a yeah, long the shot. Lions also released like eight billion people. <laughs> like, screw it, we right? Know. Right? Like, couldn't he? Well, since we're on him for a, for a second here, like, couldn't he do twenty twenty James Robinson in terms of just absolutely dominating everything that comes out of that backfield? If the coaching scheme goes with that direction, which they should, given what else is on that roster. But if he has any type of a split, the, the thing with James Robinson, we didn't even talk yeah. about Carlos Hyde, but James Robinson was in the 90% touch every single week. Like, if you yeah. combine all the other Jaguars, I think they on the season they combine for like 3 to 5%. So it's, you know, you conclude everybody, but, you know, James Robinson getting 90% of the workload. And we're talking about like the Todd Gurley season and stuff like that. I, even as things stand with the new coaching staff, if they do you know, free DeAndre Swift, I still don't think he's getting to 90%. Because then you're going to get DeAndre Swift killed. Yeah, we should talk about James Robinson with the Carlos Hyde signing, just the, the transition. You know, it's interesting the GM came out and say they want right. to have more competition at running back. I know in our way-too-early mock draft, James Robinson was a turn pick in the first round. That was my pick. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Jake, Jake, you'd probably him. change that now. because Yeah, I would take him earlier. You take him earlier. I, I wouldn't. I would not. I would drop him into the second round. He's falling to. Yeah. He's falling to like around fourteen, fifteen for me at running back. Because I, no, I, 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 I drawn some. Uh, this is the best Scarlet yeah. and Gray, Urban Meyer dots here. Yeah, that's what everybody's doing. Like this is like this was the best news I could possibly see because it's zero competition for James Robinson. Now look, he's not going to get ninety percent, but. You bring him down to 80, 85%, and you get a more efficient James Robinson with, and I say more efficient because you have an improved offensive line, a thousand times better quarterback, a legit <laughs> offense. James Robinson can put his numbers up touching the ball three to four times fewer per game, which is what Hyde, in my opinion, has brought it to be. The only reason I would be concerned about James Robinson at all is if they draft a pass catcher like Kenneth Gainwell, somebody like a Tariq Cohen. Then, now I get concerned. Because I do think Hyde was brought in to get a few touches because you don't want James Robinson touching it 25 times a game. You don't want most running backs touching it 25 times a game. He's not a threat to the job, but I, that's my concern. I'm not concerned as of today at all. I love him, still top 10 running back. If they draft a pass catcher, then I'll be scared, Brandon. Yeah, I just think the stars align so much with Raquel Armstead getting the double COVID and Divine Zigbo. They had no one, and they really did lean heavily. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Carlos Hyde gets something close to 10 touches or if they do go out and get a rookie running back and bring him in and, and limit it. And maybe it's not 85% suddenly for James Robinson. Suddenly it's you know in the 70s. And to me, there's enough question there, that, and there's enough competition with guys like Cam Akers and, and, and some of these other guys I really like in that mid-range that I might – bump them up ahead of him and and maybe maybe not 14 15 but i think back end of the rb1 class for me now on james robinson but that could change we'll see how the situation evolves 
Is it is it as much about opportunity cost for you, Funston, as it is about Carlos Hyde and anyone else providing real competition? I don't think Carlos Hyde's terrible. I, I think he's a viable backup. He, he did a good job in Seattle, and I've yeah, where he's gone. I think he's done better than yeah, he's kind of been a little mm-hmm. bit of like the people like to kick kick him a little bit as being just a you know sort of a joke. But I think he's good. I think he's still got some some juice to him. I think he's he'll he'll get used, especially the connection with Urban Meyer there. Um, yeah. I think that could come <laughs> into play. So. Um, but I mean, I'm not I'm not jumping off James Robinson completely. It's just that, yeah, I think there's a there's a little bit of volatility with the whole regime change there, um, and I just want to see it play out a little bit before I, I I'm all all back in on him at that level. Jake, you had a chuckle. You want one more word here? No, it's just you know if you look at Carlos Hyde, yeah, he's a fine backup. I think is the best way that you put it, Brandon. And I'm going to say mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde outside of one season in the NFL. Has not been a pass catcher. And if you want to, if for everybody that wants to connect, and I'm not saying you're doing this, Brandon, but for everybody that wants to connect the dots to Urban Meyer, the, the, the whole talk, and I was the one of the people who said it, was that Carlos Hyde is a better pass catcher than you realize coming out of, cat, out of college because Urban Meyer didn't use him as a pass catcher. So I'm, I'm not concerned. <laughs> All right. Well, what about this? What about if he, if he exploits his connection one more time and drafts like Trey Sermon in the third well, round? Well, that's what I said. Well, no, Trey Sermon, again, I'm talking about pass catcher. Well, I, obviously, if he drafts anybody like that, I mean, if he drafts a legitimate threat that early, well, then obviously he's not buying into James Robinson. That's why I said the draft's going to matter. But Carlos Hyde on his own is zero threat to me. And I think Sean McVay with how he loves to split up the backfield is just as much as a concern as what they do to James Robinson. Honestly, James Robinson, Cam Akers, we could go down the list. Any running back, you said 70%. 70% is actually kind of golden these days. 70% is great. But that's what, you know, James Robinson was 90. That's why I'm just like, man, what if he drops 20%, it's not, you know, that's not completely unreasonable. I'm loving my $20 bet on them winning the Super Bowl right now. I'm going to tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're not going to win the Super Bowl. I love like a, a little bit of uh, them to win the AFC South, whatever that's at. It was a hundred yeah. to one for twenty bucks. I win two thousand if they win. Ben Roethlisberger shocked us with the Steelers. I'm just telling you, it would be great. Uh, go Jaguars. I mean, go 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 Jag. I mean, go Tony Khan calling out that rumor for DJ Chark and saying that's the biggest piece of garbage he's ever seen. <laughs> Your guy Gardner Minshew <laughs> is not going to believe that you are sticking with team over player. With Trevor Lawrence coming in there. Oh, 100% team over player. I got, I, I, they've been my team for the past two years. I had to root for somebody until Gettleman's fired, which is going to come very soon at this rate. <laughs> uh, do we care at all about Rob Gronkowski being back for in Tampa for a year? Does that does that move the needle for us at all? No. Nah, Anything? I, I, wouldn't, I don't think he's that much different than the John U. Smiths and the Henrys of the world, honestly. It's just trying to figure out, guess which week it is. I just give me yeah. – even if Irv Smith bombs, I'd rather – Irv Smith, I'd even have an Ingram just drop issues. I'd rather just have – give me a tight end that I know that's going to be out there. Speaking of 70%, just 60% of the time running routes. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather just have those tight ends trying to figure out, oh, this is the week for the matchup. Because you said that, mm-hmm. Mike, and I, I think, what was it, two or three years ago? I remember it was start everybody against the Arizona Cardinals, every tight end you could find. And there was like three weeks, and I know that's three out of 16, but there's three weeks, and it was like good tight ends that didn't show up against them. It's it's not perfect world to be able to just go out there and stream yeah. tight ends. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, all right, well, let, let's end the show on this note then. As I said, it's, it's Tuesday. We are recording this right now. It's 4.40 p.m. Eastern time. So there's a chance you'll listen to this podcast or watch this and uh, things will have changed. But let's just say 4.40 <laughs> Eastern time. On Tuesday, we're still in the legal tampering period. A free agency begins tomorrow. Still some big names out there. Uh, Jake, you go first. Who are you most excited to see land? Where and why? I'm still seeing where Kenny Galladay lands. You know, I said that I would love to see him with the Dolphins, and there's been rumors of the Dolphins that are interested in him. I Put him there. But stop with this Giants nonsense. They don't have any money. Hey, stop with all this type of stuff. Like, <laughs> just whatever. Like, And the rumors are that Galladay wants a significant money contract, and some teams are hesitant about that because of his injuries. But – you know, the good thing about this, and you've seen like the NFL Network people have said this and stuff like that, is that Kenny Galladay is not a great separator. Well, what is Tua right now? He hasn't been the best in his accuracy department. He he could use somebody like Kenny Galladay. And you put Kenny Galladay there and let Devontae Parker be like Corey Davis and be the 1B to his 1A. <laughs> like, I, I just, I would love to see Kenny Galladay with the Dolphins. And just because the Dolphins are fun, that whole division is becoming kind of interesting, except for the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I am, I'm all about the, the Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson. I knew you were going to say that to see who ends up with the Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> who ends up That's with the so Seahawks? So who boring. ends up with the Patriots? Look at there's. <laughs> it, it seems like they're kind of being, you know, bidding against each other right now as a, as a preeminent power backs out there. Personally, yeah. I want Chris Carson back. I'd rather have Chris Carson than Leonard Fournette. I wouldn't be upset as a Seahawks fan if it's Fournette. Um, but I, I, I think the world of Chris Carson, I don't love the, the, his durability all the time, but I love his talent. So I want the Seahawks to wake up and realize this tampering thing is allowed and that they can <laughs> be involved in it. They don't uh, have who any doesn't money. know anything about tampering. It's, it's, it's Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll needs that talk from Larry David. <laughs> there you go. Is there going to uh, be a bigger yeah, wasted last... player than John Ross under Jason Garrett? 
running sweeps and curls and ends and <laughs> we we were talking about this before the show i wanted john ross as a sneaky really cheap third wide receiver for the seahawks paired with russell wilson coming back home to university of washington alum um coming back to the northwest didn't happen that's why i'm kind of upset i'm telling the seahawks to wake up those are the signings that they need to be rumored yeah, on they're right trying now. to work out trades for russell wilson right now <laughs> Jake, you don't know that after all these years of coaching, this is the year that Jason Garrett changes his stripes oh, and yeah, learns sure. how to fit scheme to personnel <laughs> rather than vice versa. This is the year. <laughs> oh, man. With that sort of fantasy, I guess we could say goodbye in this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, once again, we got one more show coming to you later this week. That's actually just going to be these two guys, Brandon and Jake. I'm going to be on college basketball duty that day, so it'll just be Who Jake and Brandon. I, I mean... I mean, to win it all? Yeah, you're taking Zags. I'm being boring as hell this year, but I've watched a lot of I watched a lot of college basketball, period. I've watched a ton of Gonzaga this year and they're they're just a machine. And yeah. uh, I think it it takes it it will take a B minus game <laughs> from them for someone to beat them. And even then it's gonna have to be, you know, Iowa playing an A plus game in the Elite Eight or Baylor in the championship game or Illinois. It was, it's gonna it has to be that. If Gonzaga, when they are at even just an A minus, they're untouched. So, you're going, so I'm going, going boring. Going against Illinois. So are Illinois in the championship game? Uh no, I'm 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 going as chalky as it gets, Gonzaga and Baylor. Yeah. It's, I, I got I, Gonzaga and Oklahoma Oklahoma State. I think I have Gonzaga yeah, and Illinois. Kate Cunningham. I have a Kate, ton of ones Kate and twos. Cunningham. So it's just like this is I just feel like it's just this upper crust and then everybody else. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. This is the year that uh, right now uh, with our partners at BetMGM, uh, two and a half uh, team, two and a half one seats to make the uh, Final Four. The over is plus three thirty, and with wow. Gonzaga, Baylor, and then one of Michigan or Illinois. Drop. I feel pretty good yeah, about that if Isaiah Livers is able to get back. Yeah, by the second. Hey, weekend. we but, we got Wisconsin USC first round, Beller. No, Wisconsin. Oh, UNC. Yeah. UNC. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said yeah. USC as well. No. I was like, oh, yeah. USC, um, we'll lose. Yeah, I, uh, I am, I am very ready for this Wisconsin basketball season to be over. I've <laughs> never had as disappointing a season as a Wisconsin basketball fan as I've had this year. So, uh, yeah, I've beat UNC, cool. Get slaughtered by Baylor in the second round, or just lose to UNC, and I never have to watch Brad Davison or Nate Reavers play a basketball <laughs> game again. I am totally okay with that, but. That's a totally different show. Check that out. Ding you all the way through the NCAA tournament. I will be hosting that with Brian Bennett. So check us ding out me, ding on the you. live stream and on the podcast <laughs> as well. Ding you. And that's it. And that's it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. For Jake and Brandon, I'm Michael Beller. Back with you on Thursday. We'll talk to you then. Keep on tampering. Keep on tampering.